Cool. So we're going to be in the book of Matthew. We've been looking at all these prophets. We've been looking at all of these guys. And you guys know who the, who the prophets were, right? They spoke on behalf of God himself in the Old Testament, right? They, they were um, the, the people who, who, who spoke. If, if he had something to say, a lot of times he would use the prophets. We, we've been looking at these questions, right? We looked at Jonah and why God would call him where he called him. We looked at Amos and why God would allow injustice and corruption to, to be in the world. Like all of these things we looked at. Tonight, we're going to look at a question that I bet, I guarantee everybody's asked. Where is God? Has anybody ever asked that question before? Like, dude, where is God? Have you guys ever, um, have you guys ever lost something? Yeah. Okay. Have you guys, have you guys ever lost something and it's lost? Like right now, I can even, you can talk to my wife. I've lost my pair of sunglasses. Uh, luckily I have more, but like there's one pair that I'm like convincing myself. I'm like, I didn't even own them. They didn't even exist. They're just gone. Have you ever lost something and it is so lost? You're like, I don't even know if I had it anymore. Okay. Like, has anybody ever lost that? Yeah. Okay. Maybe you haven't lost something, but who here is like, you do not like math at all. Okay, that's me, right? That's me. Hate math, okay? I believe it's from the, the devil. I really do, okay? Um, but listen, but listen. Have you guys ever looked at a math problem or an equation and you're trying to solve it and you're trying to solve it and you're trying to solve it and then you're like, you know what? I don't even think that this is an answer, right? Like, I don't even think that this is an answer. Have you ever taken a test and have you ever taken a test and your teacher actually puts no right answer and then they go, oh, I'm sorry, that was my mistake. And you're like, I've been hours, I've been taking this test for three hours trying to get this question. You tell me now that like there's nothing? Like, are you kidding me, right? A lot of times we do that. Now, does that mean that the equation that's taking you a long time to finish or the thing that you lost is not there? As much as you might convince yourself that it's not there, that there's no answer, that you're looking for it and you're trying to find it and you can't find it. The, it does not matter. It's still there. You just have misplaced it or you can't find the answer or you're like me and it's just going to take you a long time and then you got to call your mom and ask um, if she can help you with your homework. That happened more than I can say. It was a long time, okay? It happens because, but, but deep down, Deep down, as frustrated as we can get with those kind of situations, we know there is an answer. There, there, the, the thing that we lost is somewhere. I don't know where, but it's somewhere, right? We, we have these things, and a lot of times when we're questioning where is God, it's the same way. We don't feel him close. We don't even feel like he is doing anything that's, like, helping us at all. And we might feel like, okay, I don't even know if God is even, like, real. Hello? There's some people who, who you get so frustrated with what God is doing that you're like, I don't even know if you exist, right? Like that, that is a real thing that happens. But guess what? No matter how close he is or no matter how much you feel like he's moving or working, it doesn't mean that he's any less there, right? So I want to, to read in Malachi uh, out, out of chapter 2, verse 17. We're going to read um, the last verse of chapter 2 and go into chapter 3. But it's always good to know where you read, right? You don't want to jump into the middle of a book and then, like, be like, okay, I know all these characters and I know what's going on, right? Like, you've got to, to know the context. And so Malachi, check this out. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. 
guess what? There was 400 years from the time that Malachi was prophesying on behalf of the Lord, 400 years went by where God said nothing to anybody. 400 years, there was silence. It wasn't until John the Baptist came that you actually had a prophetic uh, a word that was, that was given to somebody. That's crazy. 400 years. That's like older than our country. That's crazy. Um, Israel is in a dire position spiritually, right? Malachi is, uh, what's, what's really cool, you'll start to see this as we read it, but Malachi actually takes the form of a dialogue where Israel is talking, God is responding through Malachi, and Israel is kind of responding back, and God is kind of responding back, right? So it's this conversation that's happening. And so in Malachi chapter 2, this is what it says. It says this. You have wearied the Lord with your words, right? This is obviously Malachi speaking. It says, how have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Listen to what that means. Israel was looking at God, the, pers- uh, the, the, the God who, who kept them and who saved them and constantly gave them chance after chance. And Israel looks at God And says, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord. Basically saying, people who are bad, God is on their side. Is what Israel is saying. And he is actually pleased with them. And when they, and then it also says this. They ask this, where is the God of justice? This is what chapter 3 goes on to say. I will send my messenger. This is the Lord speaking through Malachi. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, right? This is the covenant that they made to, together that God was, was their God and, and he was their people. Whom you desire, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Say, who can endure? <laughs> Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be accepted to the Lord as in days gone by. So I will come to put you on trial. I will come, I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Basically, Israel was in a spot, kind of like where we looked at last week with Amos, where they are totally fine, stepping all over people, treating people like garbage, filling their own pocketbooks, doing everything that they can to cut corners and to, to, to make themselves uh, feel uh, better about themselves and to, to satisfy every desire that they had. And then they would do all of that without fearing God or fearing his word or, or being reverent to him. Even after all that he had done, all that he had done, they still are like, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna do this. And so, this is the, the question at the very beginning of that passage where they're looking 
Israel is looking and they're saying, where is God? Where is God? They're not actually asking the question, where is God in a genuine stance? What they're actually doing is saying, you know what? If God is real, he needs to prove himself. If God is real, he needs to act and do the things that I think he should act and do, right? That is what Israel is saying. Let me tell you this, before we get into the points and how we can really apply a passage like this to our life, you have to understand you cannot question God without humility. You cannot question God. You cannot, you cannot look at him and start blaming him for things or start, uh, you know, pushing uh, things onto him and projecting onto him, right? That's a huge buzzword right now, right? You're projecting me. You're projecting on me. Like, oh, I don't need this, right? Like, listen, when you're asking the question, where is God? You have to have humility. Let's break down why, okay? The first thing is this, if you're taking notes. The first thing is this, when you're asking that question, where is God? You have to do it from a place of humility. You have to be careful when you do it. This is why. It's because challenging God will not change you. Challenging God will not change you. You see, the question that they were asking, the question that the, the, these people were asking of where is God and where is the God of justice and why is he siding with evil and why is he doing this? It wasn't like Habakkuk. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about Habakkuk. And Habakkuk was genuinely wondering, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. This is what I thought you were like, and so I don't get it, right? He's coming from a place of humility. And the Lord answered him, and the Lord had a conversation with him. Let, let me tell you, God will always explain himself if you can come humbly to him. He will always, and he doesn't have to. That's the beautiful thing. That's amazing about the God that we serve. He's so personal that he says, actually, if you genuinely want to know, I'll tell you. But we can't come to a place where we're just challenging him time after time after time because it's not going to actually change us. You see, what Israel was doing was they were challenging God. When they said, where are you? They were really saying, you need to prove yourself. They were really saying, actually, nah, you're not doing the thing we think you need to do. And let me tell you, they had it all messed up anyway, right? You can't cut people's wages and you can't commit adultery and you can't do all of these things and then expect like God to be on your side and be like, yeah, he supports it, right? Crazy. Life would be simpler if God would judge all sins immediately, right? If God would immediately correct us and immediately change and immediately do all of the things that we want him to do, oh, change me, oh, fix me, oh, oh, you know, make me whole again, right? It would be so nice if he would just do that immediately. And when he doesn't, we start to get into a spot where we challenge him. You see, the reason why God makes us wait is so that he can shape and refine and change us. And if you're not willing to wait, most of the time you're going to start challenging. Have you guys ever waited on your mom or your dad to get ready and they're taking too long and you're like, we are out of time. Like, right? When you're impatient, when you're impatient, you start acting out of that impatience. And if you ever try to tell your parents like, hey, you need to hurry up. We're already late. We're already, most of the time you're going to get in trouble, right? Let's be real. Kay's over here scarred. She's like, yes, yes, I will never do that again. It's not going to happen, okay? Like, <laughs> that's so funny. Because that's what happens. But our impatience will actually cause us to act in such a way that we begin to challenge the people who we just need to wait. And it's the same way with God. God is saying, hey, if you would wait on me, everything would work out. But we're so impatient that we start challenging him. 
We start challenging his authority. We start challenging his lordship. You see, waiting on God can be demanding, but the demand is actually what strengthens our faith. When we're asking that question of where is God, we're actually strengthening our faith as we trust in him and as we hold on to him, even when it feels like we shouldn't. And even when our friends look at us and they go, man, you are so crazy for even putting your faith and trust in this dude named Jesus. Like there's just no way that this is even legit, right? You're like, no, I'm gonna hold on to this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay firm because that's actually the thing that shapes and refines and molds us into a, a greater relationship with him. We can't expect God to change us. Who wants God to, to, to make you into the best person that you can be, the person that he wants you to be, right? Right? A lot of times we try to have God make us into who we want to be. A lot of times that's what happens. Hey, this is who I would like to be, so you should just shape me and make me into this, right? But what happens is when we put our own expectations and we put our own like feedback into what God is trying to do, we start to challenge him. I don't know, it, who has a pet in here that you have to walk, like a dog, right? I don't know. You're like, dude, I walk my turtle every day, okay? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, never, I never grew up with pets. I had one dog and yeah, didn't work out. Yeah, it was sad. My mom didn't, my mom was like, I'm not walking it, I'm not feeding it, you take care of it yourself, and we had to give it up. Oh, so sad. Anyway, have you guys ever tried to lead your pet somewhere that it doesn't want to go? If you don't have pets, have you seen videos of dogs that are just like, no, nah, I'm not going to do this, and they lay over, and then the owner is like dragging them? Come on! Oh. <laughs> uh, Pastor Mike and Jaden, Macy, uh, well, not Macy, Macy's with me, but um, they, they have a dog, right, Bentley. He can do no wrong, okay? Bentley can do no wrong, ever. And Bentley has, he, he's been in the family for a while, and now Bentley knows when he's going to go up to uh, Pastor Mike and Elise's room when company is over. And he understands this. And every single time now, without fail, he throws himself down on the rug, and he's like, you move me. Try. Try. And I've seen Jaden, and I've seen Mila, and I've seen Faith. I've seen these guys try to pull him across, and he's like, not doing it. Not doing it. What are you going to do? And finally, when he sees Pastor Mike, he's like, okay, all right, I'll go. All right, cool. Right? It is hard to, to lead somebody somewhere where they don't want to be led or they don't want to go. People are, if you find yourself challenging God more than you're actually following him, I would question if you're really following him at all. If you're constantly questioning him or constantly uh, attacking him and projecting your own things of how, this, how your life should, should be led onto him, man, that's like antithetical to what it means to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It makes no sense to call him the Lord of our life and then to never actually submit and follow him. If God wants us to wait on him, we would be wise to trust him and to wait. Here's the other thing, if you're taking notes. The other thing is that we have to be careful. We have to be careful before we call out God. We have to be careful before we call out God. 
Because what ended up happening in this passage is Israel is calling out God. Man, you're just siding with injustice. Oh, you're just siding with evil. Oh, you rejoice in all of this, all this stuff. And God's answer back to them is, you say you want me to come and to, to be with you. Do you really want that? He points a mirror right back on him and he says, are you really in a spot that you could even receive me if I came? And, 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 you know, have you guys ever gotten in an argument and somebody hits you with one of those zingers and you just have to like be quiet after that? Yeah. Let me tell you, anytime you come after God and you start questioning him and you start challenging him, and you start calling him out in the wrong ways, God will always throw one of those zingers right back on you, put a mirror in your face and say, are you even really ready for the thing that I'm asking or that you're asking for? Are you even really ready for that thing? Like, like, like they were like, hey man, where are you? You need to show up. You need to do this. And he was like, dude, if I showed up right now, you would be destroyed. Like you are not in a spot to even receive me. As Malachi and the people, the people around Malachi, rather, were, were accusing God and calling him out and celebrating injustice, and they were, they were completely unaware and they were completely unconcerned with how he might answer. They had no idea and they had no care about how God might actually answer the questions that they were asking him. The people were asking where God was and his reply was, are you ready for my coming? We have to be careful not to call out God before he gives us his answers. You cannot call out God. You cannot go on the offense against him if he hasn't even spoke about the thing that he's, that you're, you're going after him for. Because in most cases, just like with Israel, most cases, the challenge that he brings back is going to be a direct uh, uh, mirror into what we need to be doing in our life. If we come at him and say, you need to be doing this, and you need to be doing this, and you need to be doing this, why haven't you done this? And why didn't you answer here? And why didn't this happen? And, and he's saying, hey, like, do you really think that if it went that way, it would have gone better? Like, do, do you really think that you would have been in a spot to take that thing that you thought you were called to? Do, do you really think that, that you were ready to, to, to go out and, and to do this when you're not even really living for me uh, Monday through through Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, only on Sundays, right? Like, are you really even ready to go do that thing? I think we can't call out God without actually humbly coming to him with questions. The best example of this that I think we have is the fact that we will look at the patience God has with other people and get so upset and so mad about it, but then when God shows that same exact patience for us, we're like, oh, thank you. Oh, I'm so, so happy, right? So many times we look and we're like, God, why don't you just like, just like you see what they're doing, just just zap them. It would be so easy. Just go all Old Testament and just done, right? You guys have seen those little bug fryer things, the blue lights? Just create one of those, God. You could do it. But then when we are shown that same patience and we're shown that same grace, we're like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Without even realizing what we're, what we're doing and the, the, the way that we're being hypocritical in, in how we think. If you guys have had a conversation with me, please know that I'm working on this, okay? But I have a really bad habit. Maybe you have it too. 
I try to anticipate what people are saying before they finish their conversation, before they finish their sentence. And I realize that probably with some of you guys, I've done this. I know I've done it to my leaders, so I'm very sorry. This is me being transparent and open and honest. I'm trying to work on it, okay? Because what happened is I'll have a leader say, hey, did you see? And I'm like, yes, I saw that thing. Yeah, I'm going to work on it. And they're like, dude, I wasn't even talking about that. Thank you for letting me know now. Like, I'm like, okay, here we go. Or I have a student, hey, this is my friend, such and such. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. All right, you can go over there. No, no, no. I just wanted him to, like, get prayer or something. I'm like, ah. Like, so many times in my conversations, I will actually try to anticipate what other people are saying so that I can finish the conversation or get on to doing whatever, right? But in most cases, probably all cases, I end up looking dumb because of it. I end up going, oh, yeah, um, let me just slow down and actually answer your question. Let me slow down and actually hear what you're saying. Let me slow down. Let me wait before I get ahead of what is, is, is going on. Because if I had just waited, I would have been better off for it. And it's the same way with the Lord. There's sometimes where we're asking, where is God? And he's waiting for that moment where, it, 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 where, where he can speak loudest or where he can speak the clearest or when we're ready for it. And he'll wait and he'll wait and he'll wait and we'll look and we'll go, okay, I'm trying to anticipate. I'm trying to anticipate. I'm trying to anticipate. And then he'll actually speak and we kind of cut him off and we go, okay, got, got it. He's like, no, that was not what I was telling you to do. And so many times we end up just asking ourselves, man, where is God? And he's trying to, to, to tell us and we keep cutting him off. We keep trying to anticipate what he's doing and we keep trying to go and we're actually so distracted that we don't actually hear from the Lord at all. Here's the, here's the best part about this story. When you're asking, where is God? We have this assurance and we have this promise and we have this amazing thing that we can look back on and look forward to. And that is this, is that Christ completes everything. Christ completes it all. I know you probably didn't even hear it in this passage, but Jesus was talked about by Malachi here. Jesus was talked about in Malachi. The messenger that, that uh, the Lord had promised was Jesus. And what's so amazing about this prophecy in Malachi is Malachi talks about Jesus coming the first time and Jesus coming again, all in the same passage. That Jesus was going to come and he was going to live a sinless life and he was going to give his life uh, on a cross for your sins and for my sins. He was going to do all of that. But then in the same passage, he was saying, hey, he's also going to come back again one day and restore everything. Everything that you could possibly imagine. All of the things that you look around the world and you go, man, what is happening? Everything is messed up. What in the world? But Jesus was the one who completed everything and will still come back one day and complete the rest of it. Jesus would come to establish a new covenant and bring a way for us to be able to have a personal relationship with God that no one else had ever had before. Malachi, 400 years of silence after this. 
this is what Malachi is speaking about. He's speaking about Jesus. You see, the ultimate fulfillment of this question, the ultimate fulfillment of this passage, looks at this question of where is God? What is happening? What in the world is going on? And this passage says, hey, one day the Lord will send a messenger. One day, it might seem like he's gone now. It might seem like you are, are so lost and you can't find the answer so much that you don't even think that it's there. He's saying, one day, Jesus is gonna come. And now we get to look forward to the time where he comes again, where he sets everything right. He restores everything. When you find yourself asking the question of where God is, make sure that you understand that he's already spoken. He's already made a promise to us that he's got it under control, that he is present, that he is active, that he will be in our corner if we would allow him. You can't come at him with the wrong attitude and the wrong posture because the, quite frankly, we don't know everything and we never will. There's so much. There's so much that God would love to get our attention and speak into. We don't allow it because we have the wrong attitude or we have the wrong posture or we're just ready to sit with our arms crossed and say, you know what, God's not even here. can't call God out on things that you haven't heard him speak to yet. So in the meantime, in this point of waiting, if you're in a spot where you feel like God has been distant and God has been absent even from your life, you have to go to his word. You have to say, you know what, even though I don't feel it, even though I don't understand it, sometimes, even though I don't know what the next step is, man, I'm going to trust that God has it under control and that one day Jesus will come and make everything right again. So in the meantime, we have to tune our hearts to Jesus. This messenger that was spoke of 400 years before even the, the, the prophecy of Jesus, like 400 years before he comes, silence. And what you'll find every single time no matter how long it is, no matter how painful it is, no matter how much it might hurt you, if you would be patient enough and willing enough to wait on the Lord, if you would be patient enough, he'll be able to answer. He'll be able to come through. It's okay to ask yourself, where is God? Hello? It's okay to do that. Man, where are you, God? I, I, I don't understand. As long as when you ask that question, you go right to his word, and you begin to read about where he is because he's faithful to answer. I'm here, and I'm here, and I'm here, and I'm here, and I'm here. That is where it is. And guess what? There's a lot of people asking these questions that we've been talking about this last month. And if there's one thing that you can take, it's that Jesus come back. Jesus will restore everything that, that, that we can hold on to. Everything else might crumble and everything else might fade away, but in the end, we have the victory. If we put our trust in Jesus, if we hold on to him, if we believe that he is who he says he was, man, 
We got a hope that can withstand anything. Tonight, if you guys would, bow your heads and close your eyes. The worship team, you guys can come up. Tonight, I've been asking this question the last few weeks, and I'm glad some of you guys took those cards uh, in the offering as offering was being passed. We're, we're going to start putting those invite cards in the offering basket. I'm sure that over the last few weeks, some of these questions and some of these things that we've been going through, I'm sure your friends might, might be asking these hard, difficult questions. And what I hope at the end of, of this series as we close out tonight, man, what I hope is that you have the, uh, enough, enough scripture, enough stories, enough understanding to be able to not give the answers because we don't have the answers, but to be able to guide people in the right direction so that they can find the answers for themselves. And so tonight, if you would just be honest to say, you know what, I've been, I've been in a spot where I'm asking where God is. I'm, he feels absent, he feels away, he feels distant. It feels like he doesn't even love me. A lot of this stuff that I'm hearing about what you said in Malachi, Pastor Josh, a lot of this stuff sounds very familiar. It looks like he's rewarding evil. It looks like he has his hand on people that are terrible. You don't know what they do. I want to ask that with every head bowed and every eye closed while I'm praying, that you would just be honest and humble enough to say, you know what, Lord? I, I, I trust. Even when I don't feel it, even when I don't understand it, man, I, I, I feel or, or, or I'm going to hold on to this this truth that, that you are present. Like what I said, when you can't find the answers, when you can't find the thing that you've lost, you still know somewhere deep down it's there. And the Lord can do a lot with a little. So tonight, if you would just be open and honest and say, you know what, there's so much going on that he feels distant and he feels absent in. And I just need a, a, to be reminded that he's here. Would you just please be bold and raise your hand? Man, I, I just need to know that he's present in my life again. Mm, thank you. Thank you for your guys' honesty. Tonight, if, if you would say, man, I know people in my life who are asking this question of where God is. I know people in my life who need this hope, need this assurance, who need this, this, this foundation of, uh, 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 of Jesus and what he offers and what he brings. If that's you, if you say, man, I have a friend who I know, I want to ask you to stand in the gap for them tonight and raise your hand on behalf of them. So you know what? I, I, my friends need to know this. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Lord, we just ask that tonight, Lord, you would... Lord, that you would um, make yourself known in, in whatever way um, to be prevalent to each and every stu student. You know the personal things that they're walking through, the personal things that they're going through, the history that they've had. Lord, I pray that whatever, um, wh whatever way you see fit to make yourself known, that you would remind them tonight that even when it feels like 
like there's no answer, even when it feels like you're distant or when it feels like you're absent. Lord, I pray that they would be able to just trust in you. And Lord, I pray for those who raise their hand for their friends, that they would be able to take the things that, they are, that you are speaking and the things that you are doing in these moments. They would take it and they would take it to their friends. They would be able to say, you know what? I don't know much and I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. That Jesus lived this perfect, sinless life. He was the Son of God. He was, he was crucified on a cross. And three days later, he rose again. And one day, he's coming back for his people, for his, for, to establish his kingdom. Lord, I pray for just a, a reception like never before in our schools, in our neighborhoods, and in our community, Lord, that would just be so receptive to hear the good news of this gospel message. That when so many people are asking these, these really difficult questions, Lord, that we would come with an understanding of your word and an understanding of your nature and your character so that we would be able to give them exactly what, what they need, not for themselves, but, but what you want to give them.